This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Now then. No, I'm joking. Right, so, just so you know, I've had a pretty weird week this week. I prepared my message, went over my message. I was like, yeah, okay, this is cool. I can preach on this. I like this. Then, then, then. Wednesday came. I was like, oh, right, okay. Actually, it might not even be Wednesday. I think it was Monday. No, it was Monday because I got my UPS on Monday without telling my parents. Yeah. I got my UPS. And on the way back, I was just there and I was like, okay, whatever, thinking about what I'm going to preach about. And then um, I took my dog for a walk and whatnot. And you know when you just get thoughts and you think, this better not be from God because I've already prepared my message. Do you feel me? Yeah? But it was from God, wasn't it? So this week, I've been like, oh my gosh, and I've been asking for prayer, because I'm like, I just don't know what I should preach on. But guess what? God's confirmed it, so I'm preaching it. Is that okay? Fantastic. So, we're just going to pray real quick, but before we do that, those of you who've got a Bible, the super spiritual people, hands up if you've actually got a Bible. There we are. Uh, Phones don't count, because, you know, they just don't count, they glow in. But anyway, if you haven't got a Bible... It's going to be on screen, and we just want Exodus 32. But before that, and we jump in, is it okay if we just pray real quick? Yeah? Yeah? Thank you. Father God, we thank you for bringing us all here this morning. We thank you for the amazing worship and the opportunity to just give you all the praise and honor that you deserve, God. God, as we open your word this morning, God, and hear for what you've got to speak to us about this morning, God, I just pray that you would just open our hearts, open our lives to hear what what we're supposed to hear from you this morning, God. Help us, touch us. Whatever us, God, just make our hearts nice and open and warm to what you want to say to us this morning. Amen. Is that cool? Are your hearts all open? Good. Okay, so Exodus 32. So before I get into that, I'm just going to give you a little bit of history. So this is kind of like the back end of basically Emily's message. Because Emily was uh, preaching about basically how they were in the wilderness. So... The uh, Israelites, or the people of Israel, were in um, slavery for over 400 years. Pretty long time. So they were there uh, in Egypt, um, in slavery and whatnot. And then Moses comes along, good old Moses, and gets them out, right? So they're in the wilderness, and like they're witnessing miracle on miracle on miracle. They go through the whole sea thing, and it's a real cool story. So guys, if you want to listen to that, that's an Exodus. Great book. So now we're at the part where they're still kind of in the wilderness, and Moses is up the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, okay? So I'm just going to jump in. I don't know if it's the same version, so I'll read off that. So when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they uh, handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced to the Lord. Hold on, I better find it here, actually, because I don't know when I'm going to stop. So, um, uh, okay, yeah. So, 
Oh, hold on. Yeah, there we are. Then when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced that tomorrow there would be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry, I guess. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt. I love that how God kind of says who you brought out, you know, now that they're bad. Well, you did this, you know, I just love that. So Moses brought them out. Just just remember that. So the people that you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. Good word, that, isn't it? Corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. What an offensive thing to say. Stiff-necked people. Um, Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. All right then. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said. He tried to calm God. (laughs) Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt? Notice how he flicks it back. Whom you brought out of Egypt. I just think that's kind of funny, but hey, guess it's just me. So whom you brought um, out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger... Um, And whatever, I'm just going to skip. So he kind of calms God down. And God's like, okay, Moses, you can go and deal with this. And he goes down. And basically, then Moses then, skip to 19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. And he threw the tablet, Ten Commandments, out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to power, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. That's a bit intense, isn't it? Don't you reckon? So, this morning, my message to you, if we can just get um, the thingy up, is called A Fatal Attraction. Now, I'm not basing it on the film at all, and you'll get that um, as I go along in what I'm preaching on, but it's called A Fatal Attraction. So, how many of us here this morning, honestly, have ever felt impatient with God? I felt impatient this week. I'm just going to tell you that now. This week when I was there and I was like, God, what am I going to, like, what is this? What are you doing putting this in my mind? I was so impatient until Thursday. Like, God waited till Thursday to tell me what to preach. You know, I was like, oh, God, why? And we do, don't we? And we just like, why? We feel as though we've come so far sometimes and yet kind of, We then begin doubting him in the impatience because we think, God, you said you're going to do something. Why haven't you done it yet? Do you feel me? Yeah? So for over 400 years, these people were in slavery. And Moses, he comes and he saves them. And they walk through the sea. And as Emily preached, they, they see so many miracles. There's manna falling from the sky. There's water coming out of rocks. The sea not only splits, but it goes back and kills the enemy in midway through like don't go telling me that that's not a miracle so they're in the wilderness then um i'm sure it's for 40 years am i right just checking okay good so they're in the wilderness for 40 years and then suddenly after all of that they become impatient because they still haven't got to the promised land which i can kind of 
see why. 40 years is a bit of a long time, but 400 years is a lot longer. Do you know what I mean? So they're willing to wait when they're really desperate. But in that moment in the wilderness where they're kind of like, do you know what, God, I want to go. I want to get to the promised land now. They suddenly become impatient. So this morning, I don't want to put you down. Um, and, but I want to just encourage you in your moments of impatience to not be impatient. Because while they were impatient, God was up the mountain preparing something so much greater for them. Do you get me? Yeah? So as human beings, we are victims, I'm going to say victims, of immediate gratification. Does anyone know what that means? Yeah? Immediate gratifications mean we want it and we want it now. Yeah? So that's basically next day delivery or same day delivery, which you have to pay extra for. Like, what is that about? You know, it's like I've bought it. It's technically mine. Bring it here. So, <laughs> so we are victims of immediate gratification. But God doesn't work in that way. <laughs> God is not a God of immediate gratification. I'll have you know. God is a God of yes, no, maybe. But God is also a God of I'll do it on my terms which is kind of not great for us, but it's great for him because he's like, yeah, I'm just going to chill here and I'm going to do this when I want to do it, which, fair enough, he is God. But as far as we're concerned, it's not great for us because, like I said, we want it and we want it now. So when we are in a circumstance or when we are trying to do something, we want God to do it and do it now. So as far as the, is, the people of Israel are concerned, they're in the wilderness. They've been here for a long time. So they want the promised land and they want it now. So, yeah, so that's not the system that God has. And we can see through the Bible that so many people have had to wait for deliverance, wait for what they've wanted. Hannah. Hannah had to wait years and years and years for a son. She probably thought, you know what, God, I'm probably not even going to get this. She had to wait, and then God gave her Samuel, which then she gave back to God. But that's not the point. She still had to wait. And there's probably so many people in here that have had to wait and have become impatient with God. And I've thought, God, why aren't you in this? Why aren't you in this? Because we read in, in God's word, you know, how, how he's always there and how he's just in everything, through everything. I can do all things. Yet sometimes it kind of takes too long. Do you understand? Do you get where I'm going with this? So your circumstance, while you may be feeling impatient and you're feeling as if maybe God isn't quite there and he's failing on delivering his promises, don't doubt that God isn't preparing something greater. So while they were in there, in the wilderness, we're going to call it a desert. So they're in a desert and they're there building this calf because they're like, where is that God gone? You know, it says you're that Moses, that Moses, who knows where he's gone. We can stand here and say that God, who knows where he's gone. Because we get so impatient in the waiting because we want it and we want it now. So they build this calf as a fatal attraction. They build it as something that they can then worship and that they can give praise to and be like oh you delivered us from Israel and they can give this because they're bored of waiting for God and that can be so said for us is that we get bored of waiting for God and that's when we turn to our fatal attractions and we begin to look elsewhere for comfort and for peace and for everything that God can provide so my sister you're being bullied again this week for you. <laughs> I know. 
I know, I know. So my sister Fionn, and she'll, she'll be fine with this. She has an addiction to shoes, trainers. How many of you here feel me? She is addicted to trainers. So my father, in attempt to kind of make this addiction go away, he has said that she can buy one pair of shoes every quarter. So for Fionn, that's a nightmare, right? Once a, so that's three months, a quarter, or four months? Three months. I got a C in maths, don't judge me. So, <laughs> so once a quarter, Fionn's allowed to buy one pair of shoes. So at the start, when dad's like, right, that's it, one pair of shoes a quarter, so you have to wait till April till you get your next pair. Fionn's like, oh, what? There are eruptions in the Morgan household, let me tell you. She is tamping because she wants her shoes and she wants them now. Sophie, out of interest, did the shoes that you've just bought have next day delivery? Three days. Three days. She had to wait. Were you patient? Well done. <laughs> so there was kickoffs. Yeah, that's true. There was kickoffs, and she wasn't happy, right? She was not happy. So it was like so frustrating for her, and she was like, oh my gosh, I've got to wait three months or whatever. So she wants the shoes and she wants them now. Just remember that. But the reason that my dad did this wasn't to spite her and say, I don't want you to have cool shoes. It wasn't because he didn't want her to be happy in having new shoes, but it's because he saw a problem and he knew that as a father, he's got to try and help her through that. Do you see where I'm going with this? So sometimes when we want it, <laughs> so sometimes when we want it and we want it now, God doesn't give it to us because he can see the method in the madness. Do you understand? So sometimes he makes us wait. As my father preached, Pastor Phil even preached a couple of weeks ago, and he said the waiting isn't wasted. That's basically what I'm trying to say here, is that the waiting isn't wasted because God's got a plan and a purpose through it all. Do you feel me? So our father in heaven, so like my father, he knows our circumstance, but he knows that if he lets us get what we want straight away, it may change the way that we think and feel about a certain circumstance. If we imagine if you got everything straight off the bat, what you've ever asked God for, the world would be insane. <laughs> so he just asked us to wait in patience, not as a test, but just kind of just to wait, you know, just wait in him, just to kind of show, do you really trust God? Like, let me ask you that question. Do you really trust God when you have to wait for deliverance or just something to go right in your life? Do you still trust God in those impatient moments? Noah is the prime example of waiting. <laughs> he waited for the rain, which may or may not have come. Do you know what I mean? God said or, that, you know, build an ark because I'm going to send a flood. But to Moses, not Moses, what's his name? Noah. I'm confusing my men now. To Noah, he probably, <laughs> he probably thought, what? What? Because most of the Bible's based in the Middle East. And I can't imagine the Middle East getting much rain. Do you know what I mean? Because every picture we see on Sky News is sand, you know? So, so he's there. So he's there and he's building this ark. And people are probably like, you absolute header. What are you building a boat for? Like imagine now, like imagine John. Imagine John going and building a blinking ark out of wood in the field, in the wreck. Imagine the wreck. And John saying, there's a flood coming. You'd arrest the guy, wouldn't you? You'd think, what are you doing? So 
He is the prime example of waiting because that rain may not have come and he would have looked like a right idiot. So sometimes the waiting isn't like a test, but it kind of is because God wants to see whether or not you really do trust him. But like I said, in those moments where they just wanted God to get them to the promised land and they started building their calf, what they didn't know was that God was up on the mountain with Moses, giving them something so much greater. And that's the thing, is that we can be there in our moments of impatience and we want to get to our promised land and we look for other means when in the background, God is preparing something so much greater. So the Israelites in their way across, had witnessed so many miracles along the way. Like I said, the splitting the sea, manna from heaven, the whole lot. But they still said about Moses, like, and God, like, kind of two in one there, who knows what's happened to him? Because they felt like they'd been left. They were promised a promised land, but now they're just in a desert, as far as they're concerned. They are just in a desert. Because Moses, their kind of pack leader, has gone. So they are literally just in the desert, as far as they're concerned. So looking in at the situation, we can kind of be like, why on earth are you doubting that? Why on earth are you doubting God? Like, look at what he's just seen. As Emily made a clear point of, it was raining manna, you know? And like, they had water coming out of stones and they just gone through the split sea and there was just miracle upon miracle and blessing upon blessing and then they were still doubting. And looking in, that's easy to see and that's easy to point out and be like, you idiots, like look at this. Look at how God's hand is just on your situation. But see, when you're in that situation, all you see is plain boring manna. And all you see is just water. And when you see the sea split and everything, and that's fantastic, but you know, sometimes when the buzz of miracles dies off and when the hype goes, it becomes maybe a consequence Or maybe God wasn't really in that. Do you understand what I mean? So sometimes in your circumstances, when you've come so far and God is blessing you, sometimes we can just look at those blessings and think, is God really in that? Is that really God? And we see all of these miracles and we look back and we think, okay, so God was there then, but was he? Were those miracles just consequences? Maybe am I reading into things? Because he told me I'd get to the promised land and I'm not in the promised land yet. And we get to those, to be in those mindsets. And, but when, when you're looking into it, you're like, what? What? Why are you questioning God? But we do. We are so similar to the people of Israel throughout that whole story. It is unbelievable. You know, they say like, oh, well, we had cucumber. We had cucumber sandwiches in Egypt. We had cucumber sandwiches. And we had lovely food. We were beaten every now and then, but we had cucumber sandwiches. Do you know what I mean? So they see and they look back and all they see is the good. And how many of us look back at previous things and all we can see is the good? An ended relationship is the perfect example. You look back and you see all the cutches and all the laughs and all the love and all the dates and all the free dates, girls. (laughs) And that's what we see and we just see all the good and then we just forget about all the hurt and the main reason maybe why we broke up. You know, and we can be so much like that in our circumstances where we come so far and all we see is the good that we've left behind and we just miss out all that bad stuff. Do you see what I mean? And that's kind of what the people of Israel were doing and they were doing exactly that, was looking at only the good and not the bad bits. And they were like, oh, well, we want to go back. And you're like, what? But we're exactly the same. We're exactly the same. We want to go back sometimes, don't we? So, 
<coughs> so yeah, so we can sing to our heart's content. You know, we sung it a couple of weeks ago, the song, I Believe in You, You're the God of Miracles. I love that song. That is one of my favorite songs. So it's all come to the altar, which we're closing with, just for you, Reese. Lol joke. Um, but... <laughs> But we can sing that to our heart's content, but throw us in a desert situation and suddenly he's not so much a God of miracles. We can sing to our heart's content, oh God, you're over all, you're over everything. But like I said, the minute you're in a desert situation, just like these, suddenly he's not over all. We're not consistent in our faith ever. If anyone ever tells you, oh, I've always trusted God, they're probably lying. Probably lying, because it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to keep consistent, because let's be honest, we all have our doubts. We all have these moments, like the Israelites, where we're like, do you know what? I'm not sure that miracle was a miracle. Maybe that was just a coincidence. Maybe that just happened. Maybe doctors got it wrong and whatnot. So, for me, this kind of occurred when um, my grandfather was ill, where I didn't quite see the miracle when I was in the circumstance. Because my grandfather, he was diagnosed and he was given six months. And um, he lived three years. So that, kind of a miracle. So he lived a long time. But then, kind of, I was kind of like, well, when he died, I was kind of like, well, why didn't you heal him? Like, that's kind of what I was praying for, you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, when, when someone's ill, we tend to just pray for healing. But, like, for me, I think the miracle in it was, was that, God prospered him in his moments where he was ill, you know? Like the miracle there is probably like how many lives have been saved because of my grandfather's story, you know? And I think when we're in the situation, we still think, well, he still died. Yes, he did. But the miracles were all over it, you know? And we, that's what we do. We focus on the bad and we think, well, God, you didn't answer my prayer. I wanted him healed. I wanted this. And we pray and we're like, God, I want this. And do you know what the one is great, right? Is when there's a circumstance and we say, God, if you could just do this. And we kind of tell him what to do, don't we? God, if you could just heal her. God, if you could just make my finances right. We tell him what to do. Rather than being, God, I just surrender this situation to you. Do your will. Your will. Because it obviously wasn't God's will for my grandfather to live until he was 100. And it probably isn't God's will for a lot of things that I want in my life. And as we've heard from Pastor Phil, you know, God's purpose doesn't necessarily always go along with our plans. And that's what the people of Israel missed out on, was the fact that their purpose and their plan wasn't what God wanted for them. God wanted them to stay in the wilderness for a little bit longer, but they didn't want that. So that kind of brings me to the idea of like our priorities sometimes and our plans aren't necessarily God's priorities and God's plans. You know, my parents were having a bit of a discussion uh, this morning, which kind of made me laugh because I was like, this is so weird how I'm preaching on this today. And they were talking about whose priorities are the best. (laughs) Whose priorities are the best? So this is the case. You guys today are the jury. This is the case. So, (laughs) my father. My father. Right, which one here should take priority, okay? We've got a situation. The car needs to be sold, right? The car needs to be sold. So, 
the priority at the moment is the car needs to be sold. That's the, that's the priority throughout the whole family Morgan thing at the moment, right? So my father, my father thinks that the priority on this one particular day is to go and have a meeting with an ABC member, right? Keep that, meeting with an ABC member. Just think to yourself, can this be rescheduled? Can this be rescheduled? Can he maybe change this? Hmm. My mother, she has a hair appointment, right? Again, think, can this be rescheduled? If she phones today and says, Craig, can I have a hair appointment? He will turn to her and say, yeah, I've got one in August, right? Ladies, August for a haircut, come on. So she's had this booked in for months and months and months. So her haircut, which one takes a priority here? My father's ABC or my mother's haircut? Why, 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 Phil? Ah, but there's only one Craig. (laughs) Ladies, I need some girl back in here, girl power. What takes priority? Hair every day. Every six months of waiting, like, you know? No, 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 no. (laughs) But the overall priority is the car (laughs) at the end of the day. And that's the thing, is that we see priorities completely different to God. You all saw that completely differently. So many of you, girls, Andrea, was all for the hair. All for the hair. (laughs) Dan, and Matthew, was all for the meeting. And that's the thing. And that's the thing is that we all get these priorities so mixed up. So some of us see different things more important than others. And we can do that to God. We can say, no, God, your priority should be my situation. Your priority should be this. Your priority should be healing. Your priority should be this in my situation. Rather than saying, you know what, God, you do it when you want to do it. And that's what we get wrong so often is that we are the boss of God. No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. So, I've lost myself in this now. So, um, so all of this circumstance is just building up and building up and building up with the Israelites where they're losing faith in God because maybe he's not the God of miracles anymore and maybe he's not even there anymore and they're just getting all really impatient and so riled up about this that it eventually leads to, Aaron, you're the right-hand man. Can we build a calf? Give us a new God, basically. He says, give us a new God. And Aaron's probably like, uh, uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. Because, you know, Aaron, Aaron wasn't like the leader. He was literally just there to support Moses and be kind of his voice because Moses had a bit of a scepter. So Aaron had no real, like he, had, he was no leader in this because God spoke to Moses, but they saw him kind of now as like a sub-leader, if you want to call it that, because he was with with Moses. So they go to him because Moses, where has he gone? So they've gone to Aaron and they've said, like, give us a new God, basically. And Aaron's like, probably under a lot of pressure, he's like, yeah, okay then. And he's like, give me your earrings and your rings. And they make this calf. They make this calf. And I wish I knew that I was preaching on this earlier so I could have got a gold calf. How cool would that have been if we'd have had a gold calf? But anyway, we haven't. So joking is a gold calf, right? Joking. This is the gold calf. 
We have a gold calf. So they're there, and, you know, it's like, and they're making this calf. But see, they didn't make it with one piece of gold. They didn't make the whole calf with one piece of gold. They had a earring from you, a necklace from you, a ring from you. They had little bits. And, you know, we don't build our calf out of one big piece of gold. We build our calf out of a necklace of disappointment, a earring of questioning, a necklace of doubt, you know, and it just builds up until eventually we have something which we think, you know what, I feel like this is better than God. And that is our fatal attraction, is that thing that we put all of our emotions of negativity about God into just this one thing. So it can be a person, it can be a place, it can be an event, it can be anything that you kind of give more time to than God because you kind of feel like he's left you. So he is that new God kind of thing. The we're done with the old one because he's gone. Let's build a new one. So this is all building up. And over time, and like I said, you know, it, it, they didn't make it out of one. And we don't make it out of one big situation. We get little bits of doubt and disappointment, and we end up with our calf. So, da, 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 da. yeah, so we end up building up calf, sometimes without even realizing it. And we look at it as an object or a person or a place, and it gives us a sense of comfort rather than looking to God. Because we feel that he's not in the situation, and we may not worship it, this calf, like we worship God, but it's just the time and attention and everything, and we look for things that we can find in God in this, because we've given up on God by now. So, Moses is still on the mountain at this point when they're building the calf, and when he returns, uh, he finds out what's been going on, and he's probably like, oh my gosh, what is this? So he has been appointed by God to kind of carry through the discipline, I suppose, and um, because he calmed down God. How wicked is that? How many of you would love to be on the end, receiving end of God's hunger? I wouldn't. So Moses has been pretty brave in trying to do this. So he's done that. He succeeded, and God's like, do you know what, Moses? There we are. You, you sort it out. Just leave me. I'll just be hungry, and calms down or whatever. So Moses goes. And um, so he wasn't best pleased to find out that his brother kind of put all of this on him, you know. Like if, sis- if sister, if my sister, Fionn, had given me the wrath of God and all of this anger from God, I would be fuming. I'd be like, what are you doing? Like he's just had a mental go at me for something you instigated. What is that about? So he comes down and he's probably like, what happened? And he was probably like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. They just, they just wanted to build a new garden. I didn't know what to say or do, so we've got this calf. So Moses goes, right? There we are. We've got the calf. He's a, he should be on sand, though, you know? But anyway, <laughs> Middle East and all that. But anyway, so they've got this calf. And what I love about what Moses does is he doesn't ignore the calf and pick up where they left off and say, do you know what, here's the Ten Commandments. How amazing is this? You know, while you were down here being all naughty and that, you know, sinning and all that, I was up there with God, you know, getting the Ten Commandments, something that's about to change the course of your life. Let's just ignore that. Let's just carry on going. Whatever. You've built a calf. I've done what I've got to do. Let's just carry on going. No. He doesn't. He grabs the calf. And it says that he burns it, liquefies it, basically, and makes them drink it. So basically, he ruins that calf. And I believe that this morning there are people here who have 
started to build their calf that they just need to take and ruin and destroy it. I'm not saying drink it, but I'm saying destroy it. Because that's what Moses does. He destroys it to the point of no return. They cannot build that calf any longer because it's been ripped down. And that's what some of us need to do when we find ourselves in these circumstances where we start building our calves is before it gets to the point of ridiculousness, we need to just burn them down, get rid of them, never look at it again. So God's plan is God's plan. His purpose is his purpose and we can do very little to change that. And he did as promised, they were delivered to the promised land and in your situation and your circumstance, even if you build calves, you'll get to your promised land. God's still going to deliver you. He's still going to be there for you. He's still going to do what he's going to do. His purpose, his plan for your life doesn't change. Maybe tweaked a little bit because of the bump in the road, but it doesn't change because ultimately you still get to the promised land. So the fatal attraction for some of them, however, did because not all of them did actually get there. And I'm not saying this morning that some of you aren't going to get there and you're not going to get to your promised land. But what I'm saying is, is don't run the risk. Don't run the risk of getting yourselves into those situations where there is a point of no return. Don't get yourself into that kind of situation where you've left God so behind that you just feel like you can't go back because you can always go back. He's always going to get you to that promised land, no matter how many times you turn your back, no matter how many calves you build, no matter how many times you say, you know what, God, I don't think you're here anymore. He's still going to get you to that promised land. But don't run the risk. Don't run the risk of getting so neck deep that you feel like you can't get back. So I've got a dog, Betsy. I love my dog. I love her. We have fought tooth and nail for this dog since I was young. And we finally got her. And I haven't told my parents this, so they're probably going to like freak out and I tell them this story. But a few weeks ago, me and Betsy went for a walk in the field. And I let her off the, the lead, as we always do, and she's running around. And there's sheep in the field next door. Now, those of you that know, dogs and sheep cannot mix. And I'm in this field, and Betsy's with me, and I'm like, it's okay, she won't go into that other field. Like, you know, she's got to go under the gate and through there. It's fine, I'll just leave her run here. So she's fine, and normally it's okay, because the sheep, she doesn't notice them. But today, she starts running towards the sheep, because they're like, meh, 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 and she's like, ooh, 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 what is this? And she starts running to the sheep, and she's there, and I'm like, Betsy, Betsy, I'm going to die, my mom's going to kill me, I've let my dog, like, she's going to the sheep. And just before she gets to the sheep, I'm calling, I'm like, Betsy, Betsy, dear Emma, you know that voice you put on? Authoritative, dear Emma, Betsy, dear Emma. Those of you who uh, remember it, the infamous moment with my dad in the garden when Betsy was a puppy. <laughs> She doesn't listen sometimes, right? And my dad's there, and he's there in the garden, and Betsy's running everywhere. He's like, Betsy, dear Emma, like a dear Emma. She ain't coming. She's so bothered about what else is going on, and he's there for a good 10 minutes, like, dear Emma, Betsy, dear Emma. And that's the thing, is that sometimes that's how God is to us. He's like, Caris, dear Emma, dear Emma. Andrea, dear Emma, look at what I have to offer you. Look at this, because in me is safety. Don't go running off to the sheep, because that is so dangerous. And those dog owners, you know exactly what it's like when a dog bites a sheep, it's got to be put down. And Betsy's there, and I'm like, no. Like, she's running into danger zone. And God sees us running into danger zone. And he's like, Courtney, dear Emma, 
He said, come here. That's what it means. It's Welsh. It says, come here. And she said, come here. Just come back to me. Don't go building any calves. Don't go looking elsewhere. Just come to me. Because I'm the one that's going to get you to the promised land. If they'd have stuck with a calf, they would never have got to the promised land. And that's the same with us. Is if we keep building our calves, we won't get to our promised land. So this morning, I just want to encourage you as we sing this song, if you feel like you've got a calf that you've got to get rid of, just surrender it to God. And I'm not going to ask people to come forward because I think I feel like this is just a personal matter. But if you've started building a calf, do what Moses did and just smash it down. Because God is then he's saying, dear Emma, dear Emma, come back to me come here because like I've said if there is just safety there is just everything that there is just a God-filled shape in your heart that no calf can fill and he's saying dear Emma come back come back so as I close I just want to encourage us this morning to take these calves that we've built so to first of all to not get to a place where we're getting impatient with God and just trust that he's got something better and to never look at a miracle and say you know what I don't think God was in that but most importantly to take calves that we may or may not be building in our lives and just get rid of them and just surrender our circumstances and our lives to God because ultimately that's where we can find safety and just assurance and everything that we need to have just a good life So we're going to sing um, or come to the altar. But before that, I'm just going to pray. But this song, I just feel I really wanted to do it. And I text Paul on, thank you, James. I text Paul on Friday saying, can we please do this? He was like, don't get your hopes up. But thankfully, he's he's done it. (laughs) But I just love this song because of the line, Jesus is calling. It says, you know, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling then it goes on to talk about more hurt and then it says Jesus is calling and then ultimately then it talks about just coming to the altar because there is where oh we can just find restoration healing any brokenness just goes you know it even says it in the bible to come to the altar So this morning, I want us to come to the altar and just surrender our circumstances, our lives, these things that have caused us to build a calf, just surrender it this morning to get to that promised land and to not be like the Israelites. Do you understand? Is that cool? Is that okay? So can we just stand really quick just before we go into the song? I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you for each life that is here this morning. I don't believe that any of us are here by mistake, God. For those that woke up this morning thinking, shall I, shan't I go to church? I am so glad they made the decision to come to church this morning, God. And I just pray, God, for those here that feel like they have started building their calf or they're close to building their calf or they're close to completion in building their calf. Father God, I just pray that, God, you would just help us surrender our circumstances to you this morning, God, and that you would just deliver us to the promised land 
understand, God, where we want to be, Father God. God, I just pray this morning, God, that you would just open our hearts and allow us to just come to the altar this morning, God, because there we can find healing, restoration, God. Brokenness will be disappeared, God. Here we can find safety. We can find comfort. We can find shelter. All of that in you, God. So I just pray this morning, God, that each and every one of these individuals will take what we've spoken about this morning, God, and apply it just to their lives, God. I pray this in and through your precious name. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is called. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink? Jesus.
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59